0: You are listening to UBC Waco podcast. (laughs) Are you recording? Yeah. Oh, okay. We can use that as just a scratch track for now. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you. Thank you. I know some of you have been retreating this weekend. Some of you have been maybe catching up on some sleep this weekend. Maybe some of you have been catching up on work this weekend. I'm glad we've all gathered this morning to uh, catch a breath together. Um, hopefully, uh, by the time we leave this morning, we have a little bit of work to do together, and I can't wait to see what that looks like. Here we are, the first Sunday of August. Someone told me um, not long ago, and this has just stuck with me, uh, that I think of the summer now like a weekend. June is like the Friday. You know, you get off of work Friday, and you've got the whole week ahead of you. June is that feeling maybe the end of May, that June, and then you get to July, and it's the Saturday of the summer weekend, and you know, you're fully entrenched in what summer's going to be. You may have a trip. You may do something because you still get to sleep in tomorrow if you want to, and then you get to August, and it's like Sunday of the weekend when you still have a little bit of time, but you, you have to start thinking about what routines you need to get into before tomorrow, and, and here we are at the beginning of August in a university town and I've, where I've lived for you know 15 years in two separate university towns. It's just that feeling of, oh, it's August, here we go. And then you ramp up, and then things, things get better, right? But here we are, the first week of August. Pray with me. Now, Lord, this morning, may we hear what you want us to hear, that we may do what you want us to do, that we may be who you want us to be. In the name of Jesus, who calls us, we pray. Amen. Once upon a time, we had quite a neurotic dog There are lots of good stories that start that way, and this is one of those stories. This particular dog was a black lab named Shadow who loved to um, nearly kill our oldest son, who at the time was maybe four, five, six, somewhere in there. He just wanted to play, but he was so big. He also had this game where if a car was going through our neighborhood, he would run to one side where the car was and try to beat it around the house to the other side. That was his only goal. In the backyard of our house, and he was very successful at this game. Our road was one that went through, our neighborhood was a circle, our road went through the middle, so if you went through the middle of that neighborhood on our street, you had a purpose, you had a reason to be there, and so Shadow was very, very aware that the cars that come through were going to be a little bit slow because they're looking for something, or they know where they're going, or they're going to be parking very soon. One day, he got out, and he um, I had to go chase him down. Well, the car, thankfully, realized what was going on, and she slowed down, let Shadow actually catch the car. If you ever wondered what would happen if a dog actually caught a car, I was so ashamed when I found out. He licked it and then turned around and came back to me. (laughs) The driver, thankfully, had stopped, and so no damage was done, but I kind of wished I hadn't known what would happen. Chapter of John's Gospel, with some who are going after Jesus. Not really sure what they're going to find when they get there. If you follow along we're going to read from starting in verse 35 of John chapter 1. The question is what are you looking for? The next day John again was standing with two of his disciples and as he watched Jesus walk by he exclaimed, "Look, here's the lamb of God." The two disciples heard him say this and they followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and saw them following, he said to them, what are you looking for? And they said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, come and see. They came and saw where he was staying, and they remained with him that day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which is translated anointed. He brought Simon to Jesus who looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You are to be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In John's gospel, we do not, like we do in the other three gospels, have a picture of Jesus' baptism. But we do have John the baptizer telling us that he saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove remaining on him. In the same passage, just before verse 35, just before our passage, we see John called Jesus the Lamb of God and the Son of God. He knew who Jesus was. From the moment he leapt, he, John, leapt in his mother Elizabeth's womb. When Mary arrived, he knew who Jesus was. And today, again, we read of John the baptizer, knowing when he is in the presence Of the Lamb of God and leaping again to share this good news with those who were with him. This is helping us with a little bit of a context of where we find ourselves this morning. It's soon after those moments, and John realizes who Jesus is as he's walking by. John declares that this man is the Lamb of God, and immediately two who had been following John turned and followed Jesus. And it's then that this conversation. Ensues that might be a little strange to most of us. You ever have one of those conversations? You get done with it and you think, What did we just talk about? What just happened? What did we just say to each other? Did we just waste all of our time? Hopefully, you've been there and I'm not the only one. Now, we aren't sure how these two disciples of John were following him. Were they near? Were they far? We really don't know. But what we find out is that it's Jesus who notices them following him. They don't say anything. And the question he asks is, what are you looking for? Other translations say, what do you want? And I could see, you know, Jesus saying, what do you want? What are you seeking? What are you, what are you looking for? Jesus has a way to jump right through everything and get to the real person. Jesus asks us, what are you looking for? Truth be told, we're looking for a lot of things probably. Probably. Some of us are looking for whatever it takes to get through the day. We're looking for a job. We're looking for justice and peace for our world. Though nothing could startle us more than actually finding them. Like Shadow, not knowing what to do once he got up to the car. This is one of our great spiritual questions. What are you looking for? It provokes searching and seeking And this theme in in John is all throughout it. If you read the Gospel of John, this theme of seeing and light and revealing or their opposites, blindness and darkness and hiding, runs through nearly every passage of the Gospel of John. But there's also another theme. It's a theme of staying, remaining, or abiding. What are you looking for? Jesus asks. Imagine these two disciples hearing that question. Probably a bit surprising. They hadn't called out to him to let him know they were even there. But by asking this question, it's important for us to know that they didn't only want to know his address so they could go there. They didn't want to know that they could just spend a few moments with him. They wanted to be at home with Jesus. To remain in his presence and to allow this first contact to last, They wanted to get to know him. You may ask the question, how do we know that this is what they meant? Well, again, in John, there's a word that means staying and remaining. It's the same word. It's used several times in quick succession throughout this passage and the ones around it. Remember, John says the spirit descended on Jesus and remained. These two disciples ask, where are you staying? They go and see where he was staying, and they stayed. These are the five words quickly, remain, remain, stay, stay, stay. In John 14, Jesus says that he's going to prepare a place for his followers so that where he is, they may be also. In John 15, Jesus says, abide in me as I abide in you. Stay, remain, abide. The issue of where is Jesus so that I might abide with him is crucial in John's gospel. These questions about staying and remaining and abiding, they're not just about location. They're about the relationship. Do you have one of those relationships in your life? Someone who will be with you in your life no matter what. This could be, of course, a friend. It could be a parent. It could be a spouse. Someone with whom you just need to stay, to abide. These are your 2 a.m. friends who are not only expecting you to call them at 2 a.m., but are probably going to be angry you didn't when you needed them. These are those people for you. Could it be that what we are all looking for, maybe without even knowing it, is a place to stay, a place to abide, to remain? Could it be that Jesus is that place, a person who is himself a home, a place to belong, a whole way of life? Jesus responds to their question, not by answering it, of course, because Jesus wouldn't do that. Come and see. And they do. And they end up staying. And his story becomes their entire way of life. When Jesus says to these two, come and see, do you think they were thinking logically? Imagine if you were part of this twosome and Jesus this a uh, person who was, from the middle of nowhere, Nazareth, born to a single mom, who was his father anyway, really? This person says, come and see, would you go? Would you go? It makes more sense to see first and then make the decision, right? If we follow this all the way through John's book, which of course we can do, Jesus tells us, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. The seeing isn't the important part. It's the accepting of the invitation to come and see. And it's precisely that invitation that the rest of the Gospel of John is aiming toward. It's the response to that. I wonder what happens when we're doing exactly what we're called to do, exactly what we ought to be doing, exactly what we love to do. And then God steps in and asks us to change directions. Have you been there? Or when we believe one thing about something and then that thought or belief gets challenged. What are you looking for? Jesus says to people who were told by someone else where he could be found. Come and see. Jesus said to people who wondered if they had a place in his story. That thing that moves people from what are you looking for to come and see is the story that we've been called to tell. It's the story of the church's home, the place from which we draw hope and strength. I understand that we all show our excitement about things in different ways. When I get excited, you will never know. I do not want you to know that I'm excited about anything. Jill got me the very first iPad. It was a wonderful surprise. When I opened that gift... She could not have been more angry at me for not showing her how excited I was to receive this wonderful piece of technology that I was going to use for a very long time. She had it engraved with just the right thing on the back. There was no reaction. and almost ruined Christmas <laughs> because I don't know what to do whenever I'm excited about something. Some of you, on the other hand, get excited, and the world knows it, and, and you want them to join with you in the excitement. I don't understand you. I'm glad you're around, though, because I want to be a part of your excitement. I'm just going to do it while sitting and watching. If I asked you how many apps you stream content from, you might have to stop and count on your fingers and toes, or you might just have your one favorite, but it's changed the way we do a lot of things. I'm going to take a poll. How many of you prefer to get the new season of your favorite show on streaming all the episodes at once? How many prefer that? Anybody? How many of you like it the weekly? Every Tuesday, Wednesday, every Friday, you get something. Okay, that's a pretty good variation there. Whichever way you choose, there's gonna be problems, right? You're gonna fall three, four, five episodes behind. I don't the last time I watched this one particular show I really wanna watch. My wife has finished it. She's very angry that I have not caught up so that we can share the conversation, right? I prefer the binge method. I wanna get it all done on Saturday when I have time. Comes out on Friday, I'm done by Saturday night, and I can have a conversation with whoever. Now, I'm always ahead of people, so I don't get to have that conversation, and they get very frustrated with me because I want to have that conversation. Have friends who are just now going through The Last of Us. Are you kidding me? I can't talk to you about this show yet because you haven't made it through, and it's your own fault. Very frustrating for both of us, both the slow streamer and for the binger. The goal is to be able to share that story, right? You want to be able to share the content. You want to be able to share what's going on as it's happening to you with those people who you count the closest to see why things matter. When it comes to our relationship with Christ, our primary job is to see and share. Not threaten, not coerce, not intimidate, but simply to see and share Here, Jesus didn't answer the question, but he invites them to come and see, and of course they do. And what we're talking about here is evangelism. Unfortunately, that word carries a lot of weight. For me, it triggers a whole lot of things. It brings up a reaction within me that makes me want to jump back and ignore it completely. Because of how that word has been taken over, who use faith as a weapon who use faith as an exclusive club that must be controlled and carefully watched in order to keep things as pure as possible. But what if we thought of evangelism as noticing what God is doing in our lives, sharing that with others, inviting them to come and see for themselves? What if we thought of evangelism as inclusive and invitational And it's based on the theology that all people are the children of God, regardless of their religious faith or lack thereof. We're growing in God's love and becoming more compassionate and responsible and forgiving people by following Jesus. We're learning how to love well and acquiring a larger view of life. We are so grateful for the abundance of life we have discovered we want to invite others to come and see. When we think of it this way, we have no reason to be defensive. We can turn the questions others have onto ourselves and our own faith system. Doubt is an ally, not an enemy. There isn't a need to push anything on anyone because we see traces of God in all persons. Our mission at UBC is to love God and embrace beauty and live life to the fullest In a moment, at the end of our time together this morning, we'll share those words together. This passage is really about living life to the fullest together. We share our stories with each other about what God is doing. Wonderful things are happening. Stories are being shared. Lives are being lived out together. Jesus asks us to come and see. And we also ask those we know to come and see, to come live life with us. And as we live life together, imagine that our faith grows as we follow this invitation over and over again. As we see kindness offered and find a way to practice it ourselves. As we gratefully receive the generous gifts of others and learn to share in turn from what we have been given. As we are prayed for, that we learn to remember to pray for others. As we experience forgiveness and seek reconciliation where it has been broken between us. As we hear the call of justice and join others in working for it. As soon as John recognizes Jesus, he makes the announcement, here is the Lamb of God. Two of John's disciples run after him. They catch up, have a very interesting conversation. And then Andrew runs off to find his brother Peter. Peter does so much telling, so much of inviting others to come and see that he will be a foundation on which the church will be built. To read through this passage is to get lost in the cycle of listening and telling and retelling that is the story of being a disciple. With a new pastor coming in the next six weeks or so, this could be the best time for you to say, come and see to those you know. Over the past year plus, I've heard so many stories about what you, what brought you to UBC, why you continue to be a UBCer. So many of us have stories about why we love this group of people known as UBC. Maybe, just maybe, it's time to say, come and see why I love this group of people. You should know that the ministry staff here at UBC works so hard to do the things to which they're called for this group of people, especially during this interim time. Each of them have gone above and beyond their usual duties to make sure that as few things as possible fall through the cracks. But there have inevitably been things that fall through the cracks. That's what happens. Be sure and thank them as you're able in all the ways that you can. And it's also time to say, come and see, because of what they have been doing during this interim time. UBC is a group of people who welcome all people into her fellowship without reservation, inviting everyone to love God and embrace beauty and live life to the fullest. Come and see. Pray with me. As we go from this place, God, may we do what you want want us to do that we may be who you want us to be. In the name of Jesus who calls us, we pray. And we all say together, amen. I'm going to invite you to join with me in the discipline of silence for just a moment. Listening for the Holy Spirit, maybe to correct something I've said. Maybe to minister you to you in another way. Join with me now.